0: I've had a question come in from our producer, Rusty. How are you celebrating the 13-year anniversary of Fergie's release of The Duchess? <laughs>
1: <laughs> has it been 13 years yeah. since her solo effort outside of the Black Eyed Peas? It, it has been. What? Time flies, that right? That is something else. Yeah.
0: <sighs> I, I, do you reckon she sold out by, like, joining the Black Eyed Peas?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so as opposed to Black Eyed Peas selling yeah. out... <laughs> um
0: This is culturally relevant chat here. I don't know, on.
1: but I didn't mind peas <laughs> pre Fergie. For me, I read they lost oh, me with Fergie.
0: That's the joint. That's the jam. Is the jam. Yeah. That's an amazing song. Weekend. Oh, that's a bit poppy.
1: Oh, it's it? not bad though. Saturday of the weekend come. Yeah, yeah. Actually, something something we go yeah. Uh
0: this is a science podcast. This is Je- welcome to Jeremy's Iron. We're back. We're back. Oh, I don't know what to do with the little little sting. Mm. Okay, I've got one. Welcome to Jeremy's Iron. It's an evidence-based podcast about science, research, and apple varieties from the Batlow region. Do you remember those? Yep. <laughs> with me, Justin Greenstar,
1: and me, Justin Jonathan. That's an apple too, right? That was
0: there was a Jonathan yeah, there. Justin yeah. Jonathan.
1: Yeah, Justin. That's not bad. Like. Good, like- I like it. What do you got to talk about? All right,
0: so it's a science podcast, and we talk about new research uh, and a variety of other things, evidently. Generally, what we do is we bring a piece of research, new science research to each other, surprise each other a little bit, and um, hopefully inform our listeners on topics of new science.
1: So what's yours today, Jabo? What do you got? Today, we're going to be addressing the reasonably topical topic of vaping Ooh! and the health consequences and what's going on. With this whole uh, vape scandal. Great. Rascal. Looking
0: forward to it? Yeah. Mine is on the health benefits of being religious.
1: Ooh.
0: Mm. Mm. Whether religion affects one's physical, mental health and longevity. There's one particular study that's quite good. We usually rag on a whole lot of scientific studies here on Jeremy Zine. This one I am impressed with. So we do have a concrete conclusion. I feel a this. bit of
1: a uh, Pascal's wager coming on.
0: That's the second time in two days that Pascal's Wagers come up. How, how does that relate to this exact scenario?
1: Well, in Pascal's wager is from a sort of a, a theological point of view is the
0: you might as well you may as well bet on God
1: yeah. because if you get up the pearly gates.
0: And he's not there. It doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't anyway.
1: matter. But if he is there, if there actually is a gates. well then you're fucked if you didn't believe, right? Yeah, that's right. So you may as well just believe. But the point is you can't just believe, right? You can't right. just force yourself to believe in something. That's not belief. That's, no. That's just like that. You're lying and that won't help you anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then now we're saying instead of being about sort of eternal salvation, we're talking about health benefits. It's still the same wager, you know. You can't just be religious and we pump oh, benefits. You can't, yeah, yeah. you can't just fake till you make it and go to your cardiologist and be like, "No, I believe in God." Yeah, he's like, "Well, your heart doesn't show it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think your heart's in it." <laughs> well, we'll
0: see if that holds true in this study. You might be your your you know Pascal's yeah. wager analogy might not hold here because it interesting. It turns out that being religious might actually do a few little good things for you, but okay. We'll, Wait and see for that towards the uh, the second half of this show. But hit me quickly first. Okay, so I've got two piece. things.
1: I'll, I'll start with my small thing. First one is a throwback. to Two episodes ago, our chit chat about unisex uh, uh, bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And there's an article I saw a couple of days ago, oh, which shit. I sent you. Okay. In fact, actually, where was it? I think I'll pull it up. So uh, you right for those now.
0: Uh, for those people that don't listen religiously to this podcast, uh, we were talking about single. If you don't. Sex, it's bad for your health. Single sex bathrooms. <laughs> Justin was very much in favor of getting rid of gendered bathrooms, particularly yeah. when it's in single stalled bathrooms. There doesn't seem to be much point. When you're locking yourself in the bathroom, it shouldn't be a male bathroom or female bathroom. That was your, your point. Mm-hmm. I was suggesting that women don't want to sit in a toilet seat that's full of male pee. We had a nice little argument about that, but now you've got some evidence for us.
1: Well, so there's an article in the paper a you about last week, which takes a very different approach to what we were both... You're talking about cleanliness and about sitting in pee... Well, women are saying they're tired of waiting up in massive queues, right? Because if ever you've been to yep. a, uh, a restaurant that's got men and women's communal bathrooms, the women are lined up like around the block, right? And the men are just like skipping in and out, yeah. four stalls to themselves, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever they want, right? Why is um, that
0: not used as like the flag bearing male privilege example? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like that is male privilege. in a a really digestible way that everyone can understand.
1: (laughs) Well, by... So here I am trying to level the playing field and say, you know what? A toilet is a toilet. Yeah. And men should have to wait in line like everyone else if if there's a need for it, right? Yeah. So I'm all about... This is what I'm saying. This is all about using the facilities, you know, usefully. Imagine the women who are lined up like, you know, 10 abreast. (laughs) Yeah, Good good phrase. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Anyway, so women are saying they should open up the men's rooms to women so that they don't have to wait in line anymore. So, men and women, well, I and women are on the side of uh, getting rid of gendered bathrooms. Here am I. The How do you feel?
0: <laughs> Conservative. Part of the patriarchy. Patriarchy. Yeah, Let women have their own bathrooms, the point of view. Men
1: and women, this bathroom should be split. Yeah. Never the twain shall meet.
0: <laughs> you Well, fine. If you want to sit in a bunch of my pee, then you can do it, women.
1: It strikes me as odd that you're obsessed with this idea of people peeing on seats all the time. Well, I've, I've
0: been to enough male bathrooms, so I... I, I I know what they're like. I really sound like the perpetrator of this peeing on the on the seats, don't I?
1: (laughs) You really do. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just not a big problem for me. You just don't pee on the seats. (laughs) All right,
0: all right. I think you win that one. I'm I'm happy to concede. Okay. All right. I'm on it. Let's get rid of gendered bathrooms.
1: Okay. Now, now, to you. What what do you got?
0: Um, I had lunch with my cousin Harry, who you know. I
1: rumble Yeah. Well, I told you last week. I ride for Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, he's he's like a a Greeker, more jolly more like fun version of me. Yeah, (laughs) that's why I like him. (laughs) He asked me like, do I think that mathematics is wholly human made or is it something that is like a representative representation of something that exists in nature? So what do you think? Like, do you think that maths exists in nature or do you think we've just created it? I find it really hard to square away what that question really means. So does a circle exist in nature or is a circle just something we've fictionalized in the, world of theory only
1: does a perfect circle exist outside does of the a concept of a circle Exists the, the repertoire of tool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maynard outside of- <laughs> yeah judith
0: yeah i don't know that's that was a big song
1: was it yeah. okay uh awesome yeah. song
0: by the way numbers for example number five is that something in nature that exists
1: well yeah because you can have five of something
0: all right so give me an example
1: you can see five stones
0: right so What defines those stones as being similar enough to be countable?
1: I've made the decision that they are. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Right. So I was initially when he asked me this, I'm like, no, maths is natural, right? We have representations for things like the number five, like the curly number five and the number four or whatever. Yeah. Obviously human makings, right? Sure. But the concept of five surely exists. You can have five planets circulating its central sun or something Mm -hmm. or five, whatever, atoms on a thing. Yeah, But then he's like, you have to still define what a planet is. I mean, we know it's made up of just a whole myriad of atoms. So why is why can we lump one planet in with another one to count them? And that's a very human-centric
1: thing, isn't there, it? There's some. I don't necessarily think that the math that we have is real or totally accurate. But I think what it's doing is describing real relationships. And I think that those real relationships are the real math. Those are the real patterns that we're seeing, right? See, I think I would disagree as to real,
0: inverted commas, is... Mm-hmm. Human-centric realness, as opposed to any kind of objective realness. I don't understand. As in, like the the realness as defined by what we see and what is relevant to humans. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the same reason why you said let's count stones. Yeah. Like, what's a stone? A stone is only what you know we as humans you know, have figured fine. out, right? No, like, no, no, that's fine. But
1: there's, there's three to... different
0: different shaped stones that we're saying they're all the same thing. Right. But the universe doesn't think they're the same thing. The universe doesn't even know they're even one no, object. But, they're they're but, made of but, atoms. And, yeah, you know, but, like, but
1: those atoms interact. The atoms with an element are discernible, quanta. They're the same but separate from each other, right? Like, And these things interact with each other, and they interact in, with each other in ways that are largely predictable. Um, and those interactions, there must be some Yeah, that's, that's some you're describing that go, physical phenomena, but that's yeah. not maths necessarily, or well, rule, uh,
0: rules is not maths.
1: Uh, well, I, no, but what it, well, it is is maths is what you use to determine what that relationship is and how to use it to predict and those relationships are real things Mm. i mean unless you're going to argue that nothing around us is real well everything seems to be following some real patterns right (laughs) and and that underlying pattern that governs how things move how things interact with each other um why things go in one way not another way Mm. i think that's there's a mathematical relationship that sort of dictates all of that right um and just because we haven't figured out what they exactly are or we only have approximate values of them I don't think that removes the objectivity of those relationships.
0: All right. Well, look. I think we need to park this one and, uh, it's a and big move on. One. But it's, it's a I, big f- one. I feel like it's. Pr- what did they say on the podcast about it?
1: I forget. Uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Because I was driving. It was a podcast. Yeah. You don't. You never you remember. Don't listen was... to
0: podcasts when you. No. No, no. no. All right. Should we do some science? What do mm-hmm. you think? Mm. Let's talk mm. les sciences. Let's do it. What do you got? We we'll have a little break, and uh, I maybe I'm happy to do my own first this week. We can yeah. mix it up i'm in peace I'm... My research involves looking at religious people mm-hmm. and whether their religion makes them happier, healthier, mm-hmm. live longer. There was a Pew research piece that came out at the yeah. beginning of the year. And it says, religion's relationship to happiness, engagement, and health around the world. So,
1: Pew being the the um, census,
0: yeah, group. Research- yeah. S- census group. Yeah, Pew research, census group. Now, this one is not so much a an actual academic study. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring to you the academic study halfway through because... Pew's research is, it seems like it was done reasonably extensively. It t- makes usage of this thing called the World Values Survey, mm-hmm. which basically is this huge multinational cooperation that gathers a lot of data from all these different countries, social indicators, health indicators. And if you wanted to, you can actually go up on their website, download the data and, and fiddle around with it. If and you run want. your own. It's pretty cool. Yeah, okay. World Values Survey. So um, Pew's research took a bunch of that. Um, I think they...
1: Is PewDiePie affiliated <laughs> with? <laughs> yeah. Po- PewDiePie. PewDiePie research <laughs> group.
0: No, okay. So, there's there's eight different outcomes they're looking at. A self-assessed level of happiness, which we both know we're not going to be too happy with the self-assessed no. happiness scales. Mm-hmm. Basically, just asking people, are you happy? Yes, no. Mm-hmm. Five measures of health, one of which is still self-assessed at... Are you in very good health?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm You're not very happy with this? No I'm not
0: particularly happy with this either
1: I'm I'm going to self-assess my happiness as being low right now Yeah
0: (laughs) Whether they smoke, whether they drink, whether they exercise several times a week, whether Mm -hmm. they're obese or not And also two measures of civic participation Which is being in at least one non-religious organization Yeah And always voting in the national election Okay Okay, and they've done this over numerous countries, right? So, there's a few interesting things that come out of it. Not all to do with being religious and not being religious. And we'll investigate both, right? So, in terms of the religious stuff, this is just looking purely at associations, right? It's what's called just a cross-sectional study. You're taking a snapshot in all these different countries and saying, are you religious? Are you healthy? Are you religious? Are you happy? Mm
1: -hmm. Right?
0: Now, as you know, this only allows us to assess associations, right? So... You could be nice and happy, and you could be nice and religious, right? Yeah. But there's no real way of saying that your religiousness caused your happiness, of right? Course. We you have to... That's good yeah. conjecture, right? Yeah. Nonetheless, they did
1: this test and... For example, are people religious because they're healthy? Yes. Right? Sure. Or you're or more re- likely to be self aden- self, a self-identifying religious person if you've been given the, you know, the, the luxury of health. And feel as though that God is shining on you.
0: Yeah, or can you you even make it to the church?
1: People who are unhealthy might feel as though God has forsaken them and it might be less likely to turn to religion or Mm -hmm. acknowledge that as part of their life. So anyway, it's fraught with problems. It is. Uh,
0: But I'll show you... Some of the results were quite interesting nonetheless, I Mm -hmm. thought. Okay. So there were three different... um, What do you call them? Three different exposure groups. Actively religious, inactively religious, and then non-religious, right? So we're not only just comparing... Religious to non-religious.
1: you talk about lapsed Catholics and yeah, non-practicing. Yeah, non-practicing. I don't yeah.
0: go to church, but I'm, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. In pretty much everything, the lapsed slash inactively religious group right. yep. is pretty much the same as the non-religious group. Mm-hmm. The actively religious group was the one that stood out with a lot of factors, right? Right. So, in terms of are you happy, they stood out across the board in terms of all the countries. Now, the interesting thing about that, though, is even though the actively religious people self-identified as being happier, what I found really amazing about this is the difference in countries between what people said when they were asked, are you happy? The happiest country among all the countries that were sampled here, and there's quite a few of them. Philippines. Uh, Philippines doesn't exist in the list. (laughs) In the world. In the world. (laughs) Um, It does. So, Mexico was the happiest country. I was going to say
1: Mexico. Were you? And then I went to Philippines because it's like the Mexico of, uh, of Asia. <laughs> okay. So you, you know, know what I mean? Once removed. So you had... Because Mexi- it's very religious. It's very Catholic. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Mexico. Wow, well, Home You should have said it. You should have said it. <laughs> it's, beca- it's because they have Richie Valens playing all, all the time. time.
0: That's it. Um,
1: Happier than those bloody Brazilians who don't know that song.
0: <laughs> 71% of actively re- religious people in Mexico yeah. said they were very happy. Mm-hmm compared to 61% of non-religious people. Sure. And even that 61% was the highest amongst all other countries of non-religious people.
1: Happiness. Happiness, So they're right. still happy. Yeah. So Mexico is a happy place to be. Despite Seems the it. drug wars. Yep. And the threat of being lynched and being hung from a bridge. Yep. Still happy.
0: Head to Mexico, peeps. Tacos. Down Mexico way. I get it. Tacos are pretty good.
1: It's all the colors. The music's very happy. Yeah. The mariachi bands, a lot of brass. Yeah. Um, And the food's great. I think, why would you not be happy in Mexico?
0: I'm not going to reflect on that too hard on my personal experiences of, my, <laughs> of being in Mexico. You're the only person
1: I know who wasn't happy in Mexico. I, I
0: cried in Mexico, but we're, we're going to, uh, we're skipping over that pretty quickly. <laughs> you were not happy in Mexico. I oh, wasn't. Okay. Um, other countries that are very happy Colombia, Ecuador, yeah. Australia, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you go down the list, you've got New Zealand's a bit lower than us. And then you go through like the Netherlands, South Africa. Then you've got United States, where 25% of unreligious People are very happy. And you go down to the bottom, you've got like Russia, Ukraine, Spain, and Belarus right at the bottom. Not looking too happy at around 11, 13% actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I-, I thought that difference between 61% of yeah. Mexicans and 13% of Belarusians.
1: Dude, I, interesting. Think th- I think that the confounding variables are so strong in oh, this yeah. research that I don't think you can tease anything out of this at all. Exactly. And this, That's, this is- I, I'm, because... In addition to the issues that we've already kind of discussed, self-reporting, hugely fraught, right? Working in health, the number of people who I see who would probably describe themselves as being healthy when they are really not healthy at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) People walking with no legs, you know, Um, lung cancer. Are you healthy? I called myself healthy.
0: Arguably, what religion can give you is a sense of optimism. and I think that's what it
1: is. Or is it false optimism? I wonder if there's a... I don't know how you look into it, but... How do you determine the honesty that people are reporting their happiness with? If you're religious and you think that the old man is looking over your shoulder, it's like the manager of work asking, asking you if you're happy with how things are. Yeah. Like, How often are you gonna be like, I'll be honest with you, I think things could be better, I think yeah. morale is low here, I don't think you're doing a great job running, and we're not very happy. <laughs> yeah. If that's you're the kind of person that yeah. self-describes as being very religious, right, and that's a big part of your life, what are the odds you're going to say, I'm not happy? Yeah, God made this all for me Yeah, and I'm miserable.
0: Thanks, big G.
1: I just don't think you're going to do it. I think yeah. you're, it's a Pascal's wager. I think even if you're not happy, you're going to be more inclined to report yourself as being happy. All
0: right. Well, I'm glad you're thinking this way because the piece of research I'm going to bring up gives us an objective measure. of people's... Good. That's what I want. Well, we'll get there. We're just, just hold your mm-hmm. horses for the moment. Um, asking people whether they smoke or whether they frequently drink, you'd think that would become a bit more objective because... Mm-hmm. If you if you don't smoke, you're going to be lying on
1: the thing if you say yeah. you smoke and vice versa, That's right? right? So, and that, I think that you could use smoking as a surrogate marker for health. Sure. It's hard to come up with surrogate markers for general health. Well,
0: but- unquestionably, people that are more religious smoke less, drink less.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Presumably because they, they consider it a sinful behavior in the, yeah. the higher elements of the religion, right? Mm-hmm. Exercise, no no effect, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, obesity. As in religion health?
1: has no effect on how much you exercise? Correct. Right.
0: Same with obesity. Seemingly very no statistically significant effect. Sure. They also had two measures of civic participation. One in which is be belonging to at least one non-religious organization.
1: Like Boy Scouts?
0: That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Religion does... Rotary clubs. ...associate with that as well. But I feel like that's a ridiculous thing because if you're the kind of person that wants the community, you might be the kind of person that goes to church, right? So there's your confounding straight in your face. So I don't like that as a measure at all.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: The always voting in national elections are interesting. And generally, religious people vote more.
1: Well, in Australia, you have to by law, no matter who you are. Yeah. So it doesn't really work here at all.
0: That's right. You can see that the Australia is at the top. Australia is at the top of a few of these. But of the sure. voting one, we're right at the top again.
1: Best country in the world.
0: Mate. So, let's now go to what might be a the more... real research. Well, the real research. What would you like to see as something that might be a very unbiased marker of someone's health happiness that is sort of unfalsifiable from the person. It's it's obvious but it's not it's obvious. It's not self-reported. It's not self-reported. It's observed. It's very much observed. You can't in fact you can't even observe yourself doing it. Asleep. Nope. You only do it once.
1: <laughs> Mortality. Mortality, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like I'm doing like masturbating yeah. or something. You know? And then we were like, you can't see yourself doing it. And then you only do it once. I'm like, what are we praying mantises or something? Yeah. Like we get killed after you have sex. And it's once. not like, self-reported. Yeah, so that's... someone's watching and... <laughs> you. Like, where are we going?
0: No, we're talking mortality, right? Yeah. So what you want, ideally what you want is a prospective study yeah where you look at people who have gone to church mm-hmm. you look at people who haven't gone to church yeah you get a measure of all their kind of confounding factors like mm-hmm. what kind of
1: and then we just control for those <laughs> yeah and then, and then you control for them <laughs> we're using yeah. uh, stats magic yeah. and then those don't exist anymore, anymore and then you just have the real perfect outcome. answers, and it's perfect every yeah. time
0: that's what you want <laughs> that's stats but looking at mortality is a perfect unbiased way of assessing whether someone's healthy or not, right? Now, what happened is, this is a a piece of research by Shan Shan et al. From JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. I knew it was Shan Shan. Shan Shan?
1: Yeah.
0: It's called Religious Service Attendance and Mortality Among Women. Ooh. Okay, so this takes advantage of what's called the Nurses Health Study, the NHS, which began in 1976 and includes um, more than 100,000 nurses. It's in the States. Mm Mm-hmm. Age between 30 and 55, um, and they gathered a whole bunch of information on their lifestyle, uh, medical history, and they also asked them regularly whether they were atten- attending church services, mm-hmm. right? It's called an administrative database because it's not intended for the purposes of assessing this one question on religion, right? But you've, you've collected such rich, broad data that we can use this, and especially because we've got their values recorded over time, The same people are recorded in, whatever, 1993 and 1997 and 2001, et cetera, right? Yeah. Although, actually, sorry, I missed this key piece, which is the religious service attendance information was first introduced in the survey in 1992.
1: And how do they record that? That's self-reported or is that, have they got someone keeping attendance at church?
0: No, it's self-reported, but it's how often do you go to religious meetings or services? Mm -hmm. Uh, Response categories include more than once a week, once a week, one to three times per month, and less than once per month, right. never or almost never. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't I don't have a problem with that. You've, you're squinting at me, but I feel like
1: uh,
0: on a, an administrative piece of uh, data. They...
1: Well, I there's some research done recently where they looked into people self-reporting of their gym attendance, yeah. which would be similar with their church attendance, right? It's the kind of thing you you feel guilty if you didn't go, you think you should go, you should be doing it weekly, mm-hmm. or if not, a couple times a week. And they had a similar kind of um, bracketed outcomes, and people were found to be like so far off the mark when they self-reported. Okay, and they, and they could get with, with the gym because people would tap in. You could actually—it was falsifiable data.
0: Well, imagine this then. Imagine if just saying going to the gym in these instances gave you health benefits, because that's what we're about to find out. If you're that's true, true, no, that's if true. You're true.
1: That's true. It
0: only makes this harder to show if there is an effect you're, of the religiousness, right?
1: You're right. Yeah.
0: So I'm with you, but. Let's see how it goes because it turns
1: out, well... So, the the study should be seeing you go to the gym. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Improves (laughs) physical fitness. (laughs) Incredible. Anyway.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. Now, before I get to the the final answer and people who are listening to this go, just fucking tell me what, you know, is religiousness going to help these people or not? Mm -hmm. But I want you to appreciate that the beauty of this longitudinal study is that we can separate things that are genuine confounders from things that are mediators now here's an example right you might say that it's not the fact that you're religious that's helping your reduce your level of cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. it's the fact that you're not smoking that is reducing your level of cardiovascular disease but it's undeniable that often the religiousness causes one's desire not to smoke of course and that then causes the reduction in cardiovascular diseases, right? Yep. So in that instance, smoking is what's called a mediator. Mm -hmm. Now, you can only get information on this, I guess, when you've got a longitudinal study because you can pick up where people have been smoking, whether people had these conditions prior to going to these church services Mm -hmm. and afterwards and whether dose response relates to how much they're going to church and stuff. So you get some really interesting insights that you can't get. Okay, we'll cut to it. Okay, all right, let's get there. Anyway, so basically what it did was it showed that there's a dose response on mortality from the amount these people were going to
1: church. Or claiming they go to church.
0: Or even just claiming they go to church, right? So compared to non-religious people, um, there's there's this thing called a hazard ratio, which is the the numerical metric when you do what's called this Cox proportional hazards model. Real nerdy, but all it means is that people who go more than once a week are at 67% of the hazard of mortality of people that don't go to church at all. Mm-hmm. And these are adjusted for all of those um, confounders. Yeah. Okay. So, if you go to church, yeah, th- these nurses that are, the ones they went to church more than once a week had essentially two-thirds, so a reduction in their mortality risk, two-thirds of the mortality risk of someone that didn't go to church, mm-hmm. right? Now, if they went weekly, instead of 67% of the risk, it was 74% of the risk, and if they went less than weekly, it was 87% of the risk of someone that didn't go at all. So, you get this really neat like dose response of the effect on their you know, health from going to the, these services, right? Which is quite interesting. I found that quite interesting. We should
1: claim to go to church more often. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: other interesting insights this gave. And having a look at the paper, I actually... I liked all the metho- methodology. I yeah. thought it was actually really well done. Okay. The hazard ratio for African-Americans was actually much higher lower when comparing those that went frequently to not frequently. What do you mean?
1: The difference is bigger or smaller?
0: Uh, bigger. So Bigger effect of going to church. Bigger effect for the African-Americans in the study. Mm-hmm. When they went to church versus didn't go to church, there's a, huge, there's a big gap in their mortality, right? If they didn't go to church, they had much worse mortality outcomes mm-hmm. than if they did. Caucasians were, I think it was 0.88. So, so the African-Americans has a uh, ratio of 0.64. So that's quite a significant reduction, 64%.
1: Did they look at just comparing civic uh, responsibility to or, or civic involvement to this mortality is, as well? This is not civic involvement. This is the no, but did paper? they look at that? No. Because I wonder if that would have similar uh, outcomes in terms of being involved in a group, being involved in a community like that. To what extent is it religion or what extent it, or what is it about or is it potentially related to um, yeah, just being involved in a sort of a community effort? There are papers
0: that look at that. Yeah. Um, I didn't delve too much into it. I'm focusing okay. on this one. But the,
1: the, the, we can cut that question out the
0: discussion, the discussion out after this is, it is it something to do with being part of a congregation that extends people's life and gives them meaning and all this kind yeah. of stuff? Anyway, the dose response I found interesting, the effect on African-Americans being a lot more significant yeah. of their religiousness than for non-African-Americans, for Caucasians. This was fascinating too. A lot of fascinating insights here. Compared to non-religious people... If you go to religious services more often, you're reducing your risk of cardiovascular mortality Mm -hmm. and also of cancer-based mortality. In particular, you've got lower breast and colorectal cancer mortality, but not incidence. So, in other words, they have the same level of breast cancer and and colorectal cancer incidence, but not mortality. What? Interesting. That is interesting. I found it interesting because a part of me thinks that... Okay, you get the cancers, but you could potentially be kept alive by the sense of community and you have still have things to live for. Maybe you're sort of maybe the community and extra spirit you get from being religious gives you that extra fortitude and you can fight on a bit longer than someone that's not, right?
1: Wow, okay.
0: I know. I'm I'm conjecture Yay. there, but hey, this is data. That was come some of the really interesting insights I think this paper gave us. They then looked at some of the mediating factors. So We found that depressive symptoms, smoking, social support, and optimism were potentially important mediators. In other words, you go to church, then you might improve on these factors, and maybe it's those factors that are affecting your better mortality outcomes, right? So, for example, the smoking thing is the most obvious one. You go to church, they tell you smoking's sinful, you stop smoking, and your health improves, right? Now, it's not the church service that's, you know, directly doing that for you. It's the smoking, but... It's part of the package of going to church, right? I guess. It's not to be taken away from the effect of the church service no, itself. No. So, yeah. So, that's basically the study. And I thought it was really that quite was really interesting. Good. Yeah, that's, good. that's um, good. The idea of utilizing this administrative data set yeah. for one of these kind of like side well, questions. Big, big data. It's big data. Data. You say data. I say data.
1: Let's call the whole podcast off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, that's mine. All right. That's good, man.
0: Cool. Uh, we're gonna, ha- uh, I guess, we'll have a bit of a break, and we should throw to one of our um, new programs on the Ironworks Podcast Network, which is <laughs> <laughs> new on the Ironworks Podcast Network. It's Beconomics, a podcast about birds, bird life, and avian economics. Hosted by ornithologist Taj Walnuts, we travel this week to Saint Martin in the Caribbean in search of the majestic scarlet ibis and investigate the colonial bird trade that connects it to the bin loitering ibis of Australia. That's Beaconomics. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. So, what you got for me, J to the B? Okay. What do you know about vaping? Do you vape? What do you think? Have you ever seen me vape? You're with me like... A lot. 67% of my waking hours.
1: <laughs> and 3% of your sleeping hours. Yes. <laughs> um, or more. It'd be great if I was with you for yeah. more of your sleeping hours and your wake. Let me, let me
0: put it this, t- to it this way. Um, have you ever seen smoke come out of my mouth?
1: No. i seen you blow smoke out of your ass.
0: <laughs> That's true. I vape rectally. <laughs>
1: Um, no This is no, Jeremy Zion, by the way We're a science
0: podcast 35-year-old men with the brains of
1: 37, thank you
0: Oh, yeah, actually, good point
1: uh, With the minds of children Of children And the bodies Of children <laughs> um, Okay, so you don't vape You no. know people that vape You've seen people vape not close friends I've seen people vape I know, I understand it Okay I think well, what But do maybe you, I don't understand What, what it. do you understand about it? What do you know?
0: Actually, I'm going to embarrass myself by knowing... Extremely little about what what it is, like it's not kind of I mean they're all like fruit there's fruit flavors and all this kind I of know stuff. about vaping he says a minute ago, yeah, I know <laughs> um okay shit now i'm I'm nervous now, okay, so vaping is kind of like getting. The like flavonoids out of the tobacco and, and This is like hearing an eleven stuff. year old describe sex. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you kiss something oh
1: and then you, and you get flavor. That's it. And then you it's like get you, kiss, you kiss a stick and it makes <laughs> you feel good. And then you oh have a God. baby.
0: I don't know anything about vaping. Okay. I think can I can I just opt out at this point now? Yeah. Okay. You can, you can tap out. So I think, but I know there's different flavors because there's like apple flavor and there's yeah, like but,
1: but flavors of what? what, I I don't what know why don't you smoke. Vapor. D- <laughs> they have
0: little machines and the machine like heats something up. We're, we're going to stop
1: this right now. Oh my god! Can you can you fix your knowledge and post? <laughs> oh. So I got a feeling th- this
0: next section is going to be led by you mostly, largely, yeah. yeah.
1: So, vaping is an alternative to smoking, Yeah. right? So, if you smoke, typically we smoke tobacco yep. or marijuana.
0: We as a people, yep.
1: And we as people. And marijuana is often mixed with tobacco for mm-hmm. the purposes of smoking. Now, you can smoke it by burning it directly. Um, and then, do you remember maybe 10 years ago or so, there was sort of a, um, people started vaping uh, pot? Nope. I first heard about it with Dave Carter, our friend, The Cube. Yep. Shout-outs to The Cube, by it, the way, yeah. he's, a,
0: he's a regular listener.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so Dave explained at the time that you could, instead of actually burning um, the marijuana leaf, uh, THC, as well as, you know, sort of everything else, all kind of, all combined, you put into a device called a vaporizer. Mm-hmm. And that heats it up to the exact temperature of, that the THC evaporates at, which is lower than the temperature required to actually burn the leaves.
0: Okay, so you're getting the... Vapor. Unquote, good stuff.
1: You're getting the vapor of the THC without, in theory, getting any of the burnt carcinogens associated with actually combusting something. had no idea. So you're not really combusting, right? Um, How about this question? True, false. Nicotine is bad for you.
0: I'm going to say true.
1: False. Really? Yeah, and like, well, the jury's out. It doesn't seem to be particularly bad for you in and of itself. Right. So... We've found that when you. Ovaltines is not bad for you. Ovaltine know that. is good for you. Yeah. Especially Ovaltine's. Are they nicotine's? <laughs> nicotine's. They stick to your teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Little packets of <laughs> And you can only buy them at chemists. Yeah. <laughs> only. Have you ever seen Ovaltine's at a servo or a convenience store? I think I have. I don't think you I have. I think. They're I have. always at the counter of, uh, of pharmacies and nowhere else in the world. With the jelly beans. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, what we know about cigarette smoking, if you combust tobacco. Mm-hmm. 4,000 chemicals have been detected so far in cigarette smoke. Great. Right. So things we're worried about are like arsenic, benzene, cadmium, formaldehyde is a big one that comes up. And formaldehyde is probably used in the, in the processing of tobacco. Styrene. So like basically polystyrene. What? Yeah. So all these things are released when you smoke, right? Okay. So these are the things that we're actually really concerned about. And so the idea is if you can get the good stuff out of yeah, out of tobacco or pot marijuana, yeah. without, uh, without combusting it well then you're going to be better off for that so you can have something called dry vaping which is where you actually just evaporate or vaporize the good stuff the good chemicals you want and leave behind the bad ones um, and that seems to be reasonably safe that does seem to do what it purports to do after that, we started seeing things that use the same idea of vaporizing, but not actually using the dry goods anymore. They started using little oil cartridges, and those oil cartridges would either be infused with nicotine, with THC, which is coming from the coming from pot, yep. or like you said, sometimes it just flavors or flavors added to these bases as well. Got it. Um, they're also called vaporizers. These are, I guess, wet vaporizers. Um, the smoke that you see, the main chemical involved is propylene glycol, which is the same chemical that we use for smoke machines.
0: Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's literally a little miniature smoke, smoke machine. machine that- and inside of that smoke machine, that, that vapor oil is also whatever chemicals you want the body to be taking in. Okay. Right. So that is the it's way more directed than a cigarette that way has all more 4000 chemicals exactly. in So it. Yeah. you're you're putting in more of this what you want, there will be some collateral chemicals released. Yeah. Um, in terms of the propylene glycol, there are some metals released, the actual element itself that does the heating, uh, that heating coil is made of metal often a combination of metals. It's an alloy. And so when you smoke and that heats up, you do release some of the metals from that element do get inhaled. Gotcha. There's concern about those heavy metals. Cadmium, you know, is I think kind of a classic dangerous heavy metal. Um, And again, you're going to get some collateral damage with these other chemicals. This is a fairly unregulated industry right now. Vapes. Vapes. And so you see them everywhere right now. They're being sold as being safer than cigarettes. They're probably cheaper than cigarettes they don't um subscribe to the same legislation as cigarettes both in terms of where you can smoke them if i know so.
0: anything about legislation it usually takes ages to catch up with new technologies and yeah. stuff so I, i'm yeah. not surprised that there's no you know vaping and subsection of right and the unsurprisingly act.
1: the big tobacco companies are now investing in vaping because they can number one push their nicotine and tobacco and number two they can get around some of these location laws about who can smoke and who can buy it oh, or where you pubs can do it and all
0: this kind of business. Yeah, right. exactly.
1: So now pubs can still say no vaping here, but that's not actually mandated by law.
0: Okay, then you can't vape in places. Right. Anyway,
1: so vaping has gone really, really popular, really, really quickly. It's only been a really been popular for the last what five or six years. It's gone huge, um, and it's rapidly outgrown its legislation, or it's kind of legislation hasn't caught up with the technology yet. So really popular and a completely unregulated. We don't really know what's in these things. We don't know about the long-term health consequences of these things. All we have is sort of empirical evidence of what we know about what the chemicals we can detect are coming out of it. And we can try and work backwards and figure out, do we think these are dangerous? Are these as bad as cigarettes? Are these better than cigarettes? Um, but we don't have any long-term prospective or retrospective data about whether or not e-smoking, e-cigarettes are actually what they, what they do. Yeah. Now, in the news in the last few weeks, you've surely heard about the major vaping sort of uh, catastrophe I'll pretend I have okay well, in the news in the last week, I think September eleventh thing got things got really kind of heavy in the u s there have been i think three hundred and eighty people have come down with fairly high grade lung disease okay and all these are these are associated, big these are people who've been not necessarily heavy vapors but people who all self identify as having vaped recently or or being you know Habitual Vapors. Were well, they members of the band The Vapors
0: of turning Japanese fame? They were not. This... None of them. None of them were actually oh, involved. No, no, no. right.
1: No. Six people have actually died as a result of this lung disease. Interesting. And so... Was it a specific lung disease? Or was in, like, was, was it something that was... It's, I think they say it's, it's an interstitial lung disease. So it doesn't seem to be infection-related. Some of the people have responded to steroids. Some seem to have responded to antibiotics, but not whole... Like, it doesn't seem to be a real strong pattern to it. Do they all have similar vaping. Yeah, they have so they have like an obstructive ingesting. airway disease. So yeah. so they're not able to But what they ingested
0: was it was it similar vaping products and stuff well, or
1: We don't know. At least initially we didn't really know. And so the center for disease control in the states um, has urged people to stop smoking vapes of any kind until they can get some clarity on what's going on. Because we, we just don't know. is this, yep. Are they smoking off label? Are they smoking. It's interesting that it's, like, it's so
0: unregulated yeah. that we haven't done the studies yet and people are just going at it. They're going crazy. Songs. Because
1: in, in theory, it's meant to be safer than regular yeah. cigarettes, right? Well,
0: you've described the theory and I'm sold. So yeah. Totally.
1: But one problem is, and if you talk to the Center for Disease Control, they'll say, sure, you can look at safety in one way, which is one person smokes cigarettes or he smokes a vape which is better, now probably the vape. But because vaping is so much safer, it seems so much safer, more people might smoke vape than would otherwise smoke cigarettes. So if you look at it from a population perspective, you might suddenly have a lot more people vaping and then suddenly you're spreading out all of that possible lower risk across more people. Got it. You may end up with a, still a higher burden of disease in the country relative to yeah. people who are smoking. people, we, people we know. just don't know.
0: And there's probably also a thing where, you know...
1: Kids smoking, strawberry go, vapes. Is, yeah,
0: it's just strawberry. I'm going to smoke it all freaking day. Yeah. And that low risk is now no longer low risk because you're just ingesting a whole bunch of and that one...
1: Exactly. And also we know that it's probably not vape. that nicotine that's being released or the THC that's being released, it would cause you the health problems. Yep. It would be the carrier agents, the electrode or the, um, the, the inductive, the, the coil that does the heating. Mm. These are the things that would be kind of intrinsic to every vape. They'll be causing the health problems, not necessarily the additives like the nicotine or the THC. Right. So people who don't have nicotine addictions, people who don't smoke pot routinely could pick up vaping like children because it's a strawberry flavored smoke. Great. and they would have the same risk of disease as someone like the, who remember. is a cigarette smoker, right? So the idea is that you're actually spreading out this kind of uh, at-risk population potentially massively. So it's everyone, like Alco
0: Pops. It's the Alco Pops of, of cigarettes, except the no strawberry flavored. It would be like just the vape. It, would,
1: it would be like finding out that the dangerous part of Alco Pop was the flavor, not the alcohol. Ah, and yeah, that yeah, kids yeah. drinking soda were just as at risk as the risk. Alcohol adults who yeah. were smoking, right? So it's really interesting that the kind of the CDC. Yeah. is urging people to kind of just stop everything right now. We don't know what's going on. And we need to really work out what what's happening with these vapes and why people are getting so, so sick so quickly, right?
0: Because that, that is quite quickly. Because I mean, smoking, you're talking about a, a latency of 10, 15 years before you start well, exactly. seeing these things. So my so my so
1: brother, who, who vapes um, and has smoked cigarettes on and off in the past, said, hey, look, it's definitely better than smoking, right? Because only, only six people have died and 380 are sick. Well, compare that to the millions of people who die every year who smoking. have emphysema oh, yeah. or from smoking. Surely that's
0: uncontroversial that it's oh, better. No, than except smoking. the
1: fact that people who get emphysema and who die from lung cancer have been smoking typically for decades. You don't typically die after smoking that's for two interesting. years, right? That's so suddenly, course. people are now dying from smoking for a few weeks, maybe. Okay. And so we don't know. It's only been around for five or six years, right? So we know the so maximum of time. Is, is that
0: how long it's been around? Five, six years? Sometime,
1: like, uh, maybe, maybe eight or ten. But like still not in, long enough. In terms of its huge popularity. No. Certainly not long enough to get a sense of the, the long term. Exactly. So if that person were smoking regular cigarettes in that time, he probably wouldn't be dead yet. Yeesh. So what's Yeesh. going on? Right? So this, this is a major concern. Yeah. Um, anyway, so just on September 11th, the CDC kind of, came out with these numbers of 380 people sick so far and, and rising, six dead, um, and we don't know what's going on. And they're getting, I think what's called popcorn lung, they're getting sort of breakdown of their lungs, they're getting mm. fibrosis of their lungs, mm. their lungs are not get, are not stretchy, they can't um, transfer oxygen across their lungs. Pretty brutal. Mm. Um, but we think we may have an answer as to what it is, because everyone's quite afraid of you know what's going on. So this paper looked at, I think they looked at 350 papers. Mm. They were kind of all concerned about the safety of e-cigarettes. And these guys kind of parsed all that data to kind of come out with some fairly objective conclusions about how cigarettes compared to e-cigarettes. So this paper was called Safety Evaluation and Risk Assessment of Electronic Cigarettes as Tobacco Cigarette Substitutes, mm-hmm. a systematic review by Konstantinos et al. in the um, Therapeutic Advances in Drug Safety. Cool. So, highly referenced, huge paper. Mm-hmm. said 350 papers looking at studies and they found that from what they can see that e-cigarettes should be on the whole in individuals as a substitute for regular cigarettes safer all around so yes it does release heavy metals yes it does have Um, There's some irritative effects from the propylene glycol, which is the smoke agent, but none of those seem to pose any long-term risk to humans. So they've done studies in monkeys. They've done studies in dogs comparing what these chemicals do. None of them seem to really show any high rates of um, what we call like dysplastic change Mm -hmm. or sort of noxious stimuli to cells. They even put cells in dishes and like blow cigarette smoke from like a burning cigarette versus e-cigarette smoke at it. And they find that unless they change the concentration to like four or five times what you'd normally smoke in these little e-cigarettes, there's just no noxious effect on these cells. So it does so seem... they seem
0: to be giving it the, the green...
1: They seem to be giving it, the, the in principle, light. if everything's done above, the, above board and, yep. you, and you're using the proper ingredients, it seems to be pretty safe. Yep. But again, we still don't have the longitudinal 10, 20-year data to show us that it definitely is safe. But in theory, in short papers and sort of translational research, it seems to be pretty safe. Okay. So that's good. That's number one. But number two is, why are people dying still? Now, it seems as though what happened, the CDC started collecting samples from everyone who is self-reported as being one of these people who are sick. And they sent in any vials of vaping fluid they've been using recently. And in all of the samples, they found one common feature. They found higher than normal concentrations of vitamin E oil. So where do you get vitamin E from? What's that one? Well, vitamin E is just... It's its a naturally... You, you look, you can get it as a naturally occurring vitamin. Right. People use it for their skin. You know, you often you see vitamin, vitamin e, e creams. yeah. They use it as a... Ole cur- and vitamin they, E enriched. They use and, yeah. as a carrier agent for all kinds of like, topical creams yeah. and things like that. It's, an, you know, scar treatments and yeah. things like that. So it's approved medically for use as a topical ointment. So that's all cool. But people have been using it as a thickening agent for the oils themselves to replace THC. So illegal or what they call it, you know illicit street capsules street vape street vape yeah which are meant to have thc so the active kind of ingredient of marijuana it's still pretty expensive to get right and so people have been cutting their thc oil with, with vitamin e. e oil
0: interesting okay so they, that so it's they, like they, this is like the crack the crack it is. of um, so people are cutting vaping. their
1: yeah so people everyone who had one who was sick was using thc vaping vaping yep and they all seem to have this higher than normal concentration of vitamin like E. e. Ah. So vitamin E is normally present in concentrations of like, they said 20% of the oil is not uncommon. And usually less than 20% of that capsule would be vitamin E. Mm-hmm. But they're finding that in the people who were sick, the vitamin E was like 50% or higher. Way higher than what you'd ever expect to see. And they were using it I said, to kind of make it look thick as it an oil substitute. As a in theory a safe oil. Yeah. That's a vitamin, so, so, vitamin E. Vitamin E. So when people actually sm- kind of picked up their little capsule, it didn't look like it had been diluted with water. They yeah. wanted to see a certain kind of viscosity to their um, to their THC vape oil. Anyway, turns out if you smoke vitamin E in high concentrations, if you vape vitamin E in high concentrations, what it does is it actually binds to the inside of your lungs. Smoking oil or inhaling oil is really, really bad for your lungs. We have something called surfactant, which is like a soap that kind of lines the inside of the... Um, of all your little sacs in your lungs. Yep. And that's what helps facilitate transfer of oxygen across the, uh, the membranes. I'm learning, yep. Right? Vitamin E basically clogs up clogs that it membrane. Up. No fill, longer transfer. Creates a film across that layer. Your body hates it. It's, Bad news. It's, it's irritant. You can't transfer oxygen across your lungs. Um, and these high in vitamin E, especially the type of vitamin E that they've found in these things, is that there's a bunch of kinds of vitamin E oil. The one they use in particular, it has a particularly high kind of bonding uh, activity to that uh, to that membrane and so we think that that's probably what's happening is that it's illegally cut vitamin E into the THC infused or THC vape oil that's causing this problem Wow okay that's good but if feels... we don't know for sure no but that seems to be the problem
0: so I guess the moral of the story is vaping the jury is still well and truly out in terms of the long-term effects of vaping yep. we think it's gonna be much better than smoking in terms of less risk cardiovascular disease and all this kind of business that's right but it ain't without its risk because it's still kind of in the sort of germination stage in the world right that's right there was also actually a um I, I had heard of vaping stuff that happened in australia recently because did you
1: And by the way there's a vape behind you right now on the table yes that's not mine <laughs> no i know but and that, i'm pretty sure that's one of the dry vapes that your brother has yes which is our producer our producer and then also totally kind of um circumvents the issues of the oils right because you're putting in the dry product dry leaf and then you're vaporizing the thc that is a safer way to get around that problem if you have any concerns about you know kind of this illicit thc mm. cut oil
0: now i was listening to the background briefing podcast which is part of the abc pod network of podcasts and they had an episode on vaping in australia yeah now it was picked up as this libertarian issue in australia did you know about this no no so, it's basically, it's illegal in Australia to sell nicotine for vaping. Yeah. And there's these big, powerful players that want to change that, that sure. thing, right? So, you, you, as you were saying, the tobacco industry wants to smokers essentially to take yeah. up vaping.
1: And Australia, governments want to tax it like cigarettes. Yeah, that's right. And because it's not regulated yet, they don't want to actually legalize nicotine because until they figure out how they're actually going to monetize it. Yeah. And but make sure it's safe too. It's interestingly being picked
0: up by a lot of right-wing people as a big social issue Because it's about this libertarian thing. It's like, you're stopping us vaping now? Big nanny state Australia or big nanny state America kind of thing? Yeah. And so, there's this weird connection between right-wing politics and Mm -hmm. vaping in Australia. And I can only recommend that you listen to the background Mm. briefing episode that uncovers that a little bit more. But they have um, fairly controversial people from the states. Very, very, well, quote-unquote controversial. But I think that's just a byword for right-wing these days, right? Mm Mm-hmm right-wing people from the states coming here selling messages of various right-wing politics but packaged up in a this is about vaping issue and people are getting on board because it's like you're taking our vapes away now kind of thing (laughs) so it's interesting that it became this sort of weird trigger for a yeah. lot of right wing issues. This vaping thing in Australia. So, well,
1: I th- I, that's interesting. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that because, in principle, it does sound safe and like it, it's not something that should be taken away from people. But this vitamin E thing is really concerning, right? Because well,
0: I'd love to see the response. That's what I'm. Well, talking. vitamin E yeah.
1: again. This is a legal um, FDA approved kind of agent. You know, you can put vitamin E into creams. But when you vaporize it, suddenly it's incredibly toxic to people, mm. right? And so the best laid plans of mice and men, right? I mean, who, what else might get put in the next couple of years in an unregulated fashion that people would think is FDA or TGA approved, which mm. could actually end up being a killer agent. So um, I do think we need legislation. I do think we need control. Um, and with that probably goes some degree of taxation as well.
0: There you have it. The problem and solution. As heard here on Jeremy's Iron. Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you like the show, get in touch with us. Or you don't even have to get in touch with us. You can, uh, you know, like us on Facebook, give us a nice message or a nice review on Apple iTunes. I've got our stuff everywhere. As of this particular episode, I finally got everything up and running. We're on Stitcher. Good. We're on TuneIn. Good. We're on whatever the other ones are. Spotify. Yeah. iTunes. Jaiku. Jaiku. Lycos <laughs> Hotbot Hotbot All the search engines Yeah All the search engines will show us Yeah JeremyZion.com You can find We're us We're on
1: Geocities
0: podcast. Wait, no JeremyZion.com That's what it is We're on Geocities, Yep, We've got a, a few uh, Scrolling marquees And animated GIFs To delight you
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> But also If you want to get in touch It's podcast At gmail.com Ask us a question We we come up with bullshit each show. too. Yeah. two, not bullshit, but Or come two. and
1: knock on the door. I'll tell you the address. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our kitchen studio here in Newtown, Sydney.
1: Being coy with the address.
0: A little bit. You know, we got fans. Oh Mostly a well-meaning we fans.
1: Anyway, I'll tweet out the address later. <laughs> <laughs> That's been Jeremy Zion. Bye. See you next week. So I was getting a coffee this morning at a, at a market, and the uh, the stall I was at was a Brazilian coffee guy. So all the beans were from Brazil, the guys from Brazil, yada yada. The neighboring stall was playing La Bamba. Okay. Just some Aussie guy, like an Aussie couple selling bacon egg rolls. You've been there with me. Okay, it's across from my apartment. Yeah. You know, an Aussie guy, an older Aussie guy, walks up to the barista at the coffee stall and says, "Hey." How come that stall was playing La Bamba, <laughs> and not you? <laughs> and the guy looks at him, and goes, "I didn't even hear what song was being played. I don't know what you're talking about." And he's like, "Don't worry about it. It's a very popular South American song. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows it. You should really know what it is. Yeah, and really, you should be the one playing it." <laughs> The guy was like looked at me and looked at him and was just like I just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this guy's I, getting paid in cash in hand, like twelve bucks an hour to like man this stall. Yeah, something. and he's he's Brazil, and I think it's his stall. Oh, right. Okay, he, yeah. I think he's the you know kind of proprietor as well as you know barista at this stall. But the point is, he's from Brazil. Yep. And number one, Brazil is not a Spanish-speaking country; it's a Portuguese-speaking country, yep. and also it is, in fact, a South American country. This guy claimed the Bamba which is a Mexican song by a Mexican-American artist. (laughs) Which it doesn't matter whether he's Mexican or American because both are North American. Mexico is the southernmost border of North North America. And the Spanish-speaking, really nothing Nothing to to do with 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 the South American Portuguese-speaking Brazilian. (laughs) And the guy... So frankly, the Aussies... It's an English song, by the way, <laughs> or by like an uh, uh, yeah yeah you no know, it's or uh, by by an English or like an American Mexican artist. I like
0: how I was about to sing the lyrics to to remind myself how English it was, and I'm like, no, it it's sounds, actually it, 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 is, Spanish. Spanish, Spanish, no, it yeah. is Spanish.
1: <laughs> but it's Spanish, but but Richie Valens is a was it, from, I think from Texas. I'm pretty sure. Like right. he's he's an American artist singing a Mexican folk song. The white Australian couple serving bacon egg rolls has just as much, you know, sort of skinned again playing that as yeah. the brazilian portuguese guy <laughs>
0: I, I don't know i love the image of someone rocking up to like a, a small little business like that and make just just telling them how,
1: how, how they it should, be. should run the show because yeah. they, they hey, know what's buddy. up hey buddy why don't you note know this song although <laughs> it's a famous south american song but you should know okay
0: there used to be i've, I've told you this analogy but i'll share it with our listeners but right. I, I um well more of a reflection than an analogy but, yeah but uh there was once a small stall that used to uh, sell pies called Shakespeare's Pies. Yeah,
1: I love, I love Shakespeare's
0: Pies. Yeah, and their, their motto was that was
1: like first wave Australian pie.
0: Yeah, their motto was best pies on the planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know
0: this one. But come on, are you not with me? So I went up to the guy that's yeah must have been like a seventeen year old dude manning this stall right in um, which one Martin Place? No, not Martin Place, Pitt Street, Pitt Street Mall. There was one used. It used to be underground in Pitt Street Mall. They had this. Was there? Yeah. There was one on Bent Street. I remember that. This is more than a decade ago.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, that's what I'm talking. But So I
0: looked at the the best pies on the planet. Yeah. And the 17-year-old kid, I'm like, dude, you're Shakespeare's pies. You should be best pies on the globe. And he looked at me, obviously. Globe theater. Like, who the, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, yeah, all right. For those who are, you know. Yeah, Un, uh, unversed in Shakespearean... Pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not versed in Shakespearean <laughs> pies. Yeah. Um, the guy was like... The look he gave me, which is, I'm sure, very similar to what that Brazilian dude was giving the uh, the dude, like, I don't give a shit. I don't know what you're talking
1: about. What are you talking What, are you go- he, what I, do you I, want? I, his response
0: was, no, it's it's like the best in the planet, though. Like, why? what's the... Yeah. Yeah. I I walked away smugly, but now I feel embarrassed that I'm just like that dude. That dude. dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when, um, except for the fact that you had a good point and this guy had no point at all. No. This guy was completely, you know, was wrong. <coughs> now, serious question... What was your go-to pie at Shakespeare's? I don't remember. I wouldn't oh, Come remember. on, really? No, I, no, I can't remember. Tandoori chicken, every time. Right. Really good.
0: I can tell you what my go-to pie at Harry's is. There used one at
1: St. Leonard's Station mm. as well. Right. I've been there for years. Mm. Uh, go-to Harry's pie. pies was always the tiger. tiger yeah, pie. curry tiger with, with uh, mushy peas and gravy.
0: Well, is there any other way to eat a tiger don't pie? I don't think so.